Hey everyone, you're listening to But Why Though the Podcast, the podcast where Kate, Matt, and myself, Adrian, talk about the things people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, or wherever you're listening to us on. It helps people find us, and it helps us find you. And if you want to support us a little more, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butwhythopc. As one of our lovely patrons, you get access to episodes early, along with show notes, but why those swag, and personalized content. But really, we're just happy you're here. Enjoy the show, and welcome to the Familia. Today, we are talking about Mr. Rogers. And as always, I'm your host, Kate. I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, Matt. Hello. And our very special guest, who is like a hybrid of Steve Rogers and Fred Rogers, Alex. Hey, guys. You are far too kind. Don't let him fool you. Alex is literally the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life, ever. <laughs> I appreciate really that. Is. So just if you haven't listened to our other episodes where Alex is on, um, I feel like he's on at least like once every other month. Yeah, um, pretty much. Because you're great. Um, he is from what we talk about when we talk about podcasts, the Game Boys podcast, podcast about co-op gaming, and he is the assignment editor at Frightday.com. Did I get it all? That is everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, first off, we want to say thank you so much to our patrons Abigail, Charles, and Lizzie, thank you all for your support. It really means a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you, lovely patrons. We love you. And to all our old patrons, too, for all the lovely support over all of the months. Oh, that was so kind. Yeah. (laughs) Matt gets pretty sentimental sometimes. He does. I've left it in on a couple of episodes. I don't remember where they were, but they felt like he said like really nice things the last few episodes. It's usually around numbers, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever works. I do, I do love when you bring the numbers into it and start breaking down why statistics can't always be trusted. <laughs> I still think you're right that Matt needs to start his own podcast called Sometimes Numbers Lie. It would be so good. <laughs> Um, I also want to um, welcome Pilots and Petards, a new podcast to our network. They are uh, really great people. They take the pilot episode of a whole bunch of different series and break it down and decide whether it's a good episode or a bad episode and if it wants them and if it makes them want to keep watching. So welcome to the But Why Though family. Or should I call it the Familia? The Familia. I really want them to go, like I know like they don't do podcasts like Pilots, but I want them to go back and like listen to our Tomb Raider episode and be like, man, how do these people make it to 71 man, episodes? 
Um, yeah, so... Yeah, because uh, Kate and I... Uh, yeah, welcome, and Kate and I were on their Batman Beyond episode. Though, yep, just it released. was super fun with uh, Jimbo and Drew, and Mo is also one of the hosts. So thank you guys for joining us, and make sure you follow and subscribe to them. And here is their uh, little promo. Kaboom! Ah, holy crap, look at all these petards. It's like I can't start a new show without exploding in my face. Kaboom! I know, right? I wish there were three charismatic, IRL, physically attractive podcast hosts who could help us avoid petards. A real word, by the way. Non-discriminatory. Don't wander out there alone. Leave it to the experts. Pilots and petards. We watch shows so you don't have to. And now with 33% less white dudes. Thanks to me. We do it for you, internet. We do it. We do it for you. (laughs) Oh, pilots and petards. We talk about pilots. We talk about TV. We take your mind off of things. The real world is horrible. Join the rank of hoister by stopping at our website, pilotsandpetards.com, and you can be the podcast you want to see in the world. Every day we hoistling at Pilots and Petards Podcast. Now, to start off this episode, like we always do, we're going to start with a question, which is, did you watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood growing up as a kid? No. Okay. That was very strong. <laughs> Maybe you should have that. <laughs> what? This explains a lot. <laughs> no. Do you want to explain? No. <laughs> what did you watch as a kid? What substituted Mr. Rogers for you? Nothing. Did you watch the SNL Mr. Robinson with uh, Eddie Murphy? <laughs> yeah. No. I did not. What was your children's programming? I watched a lot of Discovery Channel. That's good. That is good. And Animal Planet. I didn't have cable. <laughs> So watch PBS. Well, I guess it depends on when we're talking about when I was a kid. Like a kid, so like your formative years. I mean, I watched some cartoons, but I didn't really watch a lot of like stuff on TV. Yeah, he was so reading. You his... say I was outside doing stuff. No, he was reading sure. statistics books about baseball. Remember? Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. I do. I did have a lot of books with numbers. I yeah, did that's have what a lot of doing. games that just like did math problems and memory thing. See, I remember. I'm you, I remember you can Matt. teach your kid to remember everything, you don't have to learn anything. <laughs> Parenting Tips with Matt, another podcast coming to you on the Bolido <laughs> Network. <laughs> well, it sounds counterintuitive, but really you do learn everything by memorize, by being able to remember everything. But in reality, do you really learn it or do you just remember it? Well, I watched Mr. Rogers <laughs> growing up. <laughs> um... Most of you guys didn't have cables, so PBS was like uh, Reading Rainbow, Zoom. Um, those are kind of just the, the shows we had in our house all the time. Um, Zaboomafoob. Zaboomafoob. Um, but, <laughs> but Mr. Rogers was always really good. I remember that it was at the time where Goosebumps had like the puppet, the like the evil puppet. Oh, Slappy the thing. Dummy. Yeah, yeah Metal Living Dummy. That terrified me. It's but awful. I was never. I was never afraid of the puppets for Mr. Rogers, but I think it was just because of the voices he did, which he did all of the voices for all of his puppets. It was great. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, and I also watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when I was a kid. Um, not, like, a ton, and definitely not as much once I started going to school, but, like, preschool, that like that was definitely a thing that I watched. Yeah, and I think that was, like, the target demographic. Yeah, it is. Like, because er- he got his degree in early childhood education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it like yeah, and like the stuff that he's showing kids even is like yeah, this is this is preschool stuff. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching that show, and I feel like it probably shows a little bit. Yeah, a um, little bit. What are you trying to say, Alex? 
two edges of the spectrum. Jesus. You are here, and Alex is here. Matt, I like you just the way you are. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> yeah, Mr. I... Rogers would say that this day is special just because you're you. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched Mr. Rogers when I was a kid um, for a lot of the same reasons that Kate did. Because uh, PBS was my jam back in the day. You bringing up Zoom makes me want to do a Zoom episode because Zoom was the Zuma, sh- Zuma, oh, Zuma, Zoom. Yeah, so good. I was like, I, I, I applied to be a Zoom kid. I did not get it. Um, I did too. <laughs> but yeah, I like Mr. I watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when I was a kid. I think I caught it like when they were doing the resyndication, so like or like when they were redoing because he had so many episodes. So and they many. basically just went back and played all the episodes. So I remember like watching episodes that like looked old. And like he like he had aged, like the next week, and I couldn't understand what was going on. Uh, kind of back to like not understanding like that like this dude just doesn't do this like live. He, this was recorded, uh, <laughs> right? Back I re- to thinking that Samuel Jackson got eaten by raptors. Well, Your the same logic. Was all a lie, Adrian. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I honestly, I had the realization when watching the documentary that. Uh, I did not know how many episodes he made. I assumed that he was just kind of doing it indefinitely. Yeah, that's that's kind of um, how it felt. Which, I mean, honestly, the episodes and the way that he approaches things are relatively timeless. Like, yeah. I feel like he kind of made a point to be like, we're going to talk about big picture things, not like how to program a VCR. Um, <laughs> you know what? Seeing all the people are today, I think they should have taught how to program a VCR. <laughs> oh, it would have helped. <laughs> it would have helped a lot. Hacker Man plugged in a VCR. Oh my god, Matt. <laughs> I didn't watch Mr. Rogers, but I did know how to plug in all of our VCRs and was pretty much the only person in my family knew how to record anything. Is that why you're half robot? Sure. Why didn't you record Mr. Rogers and watch it later when you were done wiring everything? <laughs> <laughs> Which, that actually ties into one of the but why those. It does. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Um, so... Uh, we're, this episode is all about Mr. Rogers. Um, his name was Fred McFeely Rogers, which is why you had Mr. McFeely as the um, the post the postman that would bring all the, like the messages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an American television personality, musician, puppeteer, writer, producer, and a Presbyterian minister. He was known as the creator, music composer, and host of the educational preschool television series, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and that ran from 1968 to 2001. I never saw a single episode during that time frame. Uh, You were born in 1968, so that is shocking. (laughs) Because that was about when you were watching Mission Impossible, right? have seen more Mission Impossible episodes than Mr. Rogers episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Old Bad Bat. Uh, I love it. I was it. not born in 1968. <laughs> um, and the show featured Rogers' kind neighborly um, avuncular persona, which nurtured his connection to the audience. Um, he was trained as an ordained minister, and Rogers ended up being really displeased with the way television addressed children at the time. And he began to write and perform in the local Pittsburgh area, and he did shows for, like, youth. And in 1968, Eastern Educational Television Network began nationwide distribution of his new show on WQED. Over the course of, like, three decades, Rogers became a television icon of children's education, entertainment and education. Uh, Rogers 
received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, 40 honorary degrees, and a Peabody Award. He was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame and was recognized in two congressional resolutions. He was ranked number 35 of TV Guide's greatest uh, TV stars of all time. I uh, do need to see the 34 of- that beat him. <laughs> this is, Adrian, this go is to the Google. This is very uh, true. We kind of want to know who least the top Go three. to the Google, Adrian. I got it. I'll find it. TV Guide, 50 greatest TV stars. So the real question is, TV Guide still around? It is. They are. Okay. But they're like magazine size now, and I don't like that. <laughs> I'm nostalgic for that smaller. The small books are cool. I do like the small books. Yeah, Such a weird really time. Cool. I just remember well, watching TV. the TV Guy channel and like waiting for 15 minutes because I'd look away when the show, when the little thing. Oh, that was that was up. death. That was oh, one of the worst terrible. things. That's why you bought the little book so you didn't have to wait. I know. And then there were the My collectible covers. Had the little book. Yes, they did have collectible covers. My grandma got mad when I took her book one time. Because she really and needed she, it? Well, she didn't because she had all the novellas memorized when they were happening, but she still wanted it. It's like, it like, Grandma, you only watch Christina and Ricky Lake and your novellas. Like, you don't need this. <laughs> is Ricky Lake still around? I do remember that. I like, is she still Ricky alive Lake or episode. is her show still on? Well, well, I know her show's not on. Because Jenny Jones alive. sort of tanked daytime talk shows. Yeah. Oh, my grandma. My, my grandma actually just watched really bad daytime talk shows in the Spanish and English versions. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Yes. I have seen more Ricky Lake episodes than Mr. Rogers. Maury shows. was the best, and he's still on. He Adrian, is still why, on. Why does your face look pained? Because I don't understand this list. Uh, <laughs> give it. Give us some highlights. Uh, so Lucille Ball is number one. Okay. Who, this is also this fine. is also 1996 of all, uh, and this is of all time. Yeah, and this is like 1996 of all time. Like, yeah. this is, this I love Lucy. Out. Makes sense. Yeah, like that. I mean, that makes sense. Oprah. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, in 1996, before we knew he was a rapist, Bill Cosby at nine. Oh, makes sense. Uh, that didn't age well. Uh, Dick no. Van Dyke. You know who's 11? Just guess. Who's... You'll never ever guess who's 11. Jerry Springer. Fonzie. Bart Simpson. Lassie. What? Who? A they ranked Lassie dog. higher than Mr. Rogers. Beat Lassie? Mr. Rogers. What the hell? Get the cheese knife, Lassie. Get the cheese knife. <laughs> oh my god, Lassie. I'm hurt, and I feel like this is an affront to Mr. Rogers. That's a cheese knife, Lassie. You know who's number 23? Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy beats out Mr. This, Rogers. This list is garbage. I, I identify with Miss Piggy. So. But like, more than, like, Kermit the Frog's not even, like, Really? Kermit the Frog not on here? I mean, Miss Piggy's better, but. I think you might be in the minority. I mean, Kermit's left handed, so I kind of have to like him. See? Wait, Alex, are you left handed? Yeah. Matt's left handed. It's a hard life. It is hard. Is it? Yeah, is there anything else on that list that's really awful before we get Uh, back to what we were talking about? Roseanne also beats out. That didn't age well. Yep. And the Simpsons are at forty eight. I thought you would like that. Like all of the Simpsons. Like I do I do like that. And forty eight it feels appropriate. Yeah. The Bullwinkle show is actually higher than Mr. Rogers. Why? Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld is higher. Okay. Bob Hope I'm okay with. Edward R. Morrow I'm okay with. Tom Selleck's higher? I mean Magnum P. I and Friends. I know, but- I think the funny thing is people don't realize Magnum P.I. like didn't last that long, I don't believe. No, it didn't. It lasted in our hearts. That mustache is eternal. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, it's actually not, like, everybody, like, portrays that show as, like, this long-lasting TV show, and it's only, like, five seasons. I mean, the top ones aren't that bad. So, like, Lucille Ball, Johnny Carson, Jackie Gleason, James, oh, I don't know who James Garner is, Mary Tyler Moore, Oprah Winfrey, Carol Burnett, Michael Landon, Bill Cosby, and Dick Van Dyke ran out the top ten. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm alright with the top ten. I'm just, I'm not okay with all the people that beat out Mr. Rogers. Oh, for yeah, sure. no, I completely agree. A dog. Like I love Lassie. I love. I had. I had a stuffed animal. My great grandma gave it to me. I had it like forever. But like, it's not. Should not be above Mr. Rogers. Either it's not a person now. Roseanne Barr is number twenty-eight. Yeah, that's upsetting. Uh, yeah. Before we get back on topic, quick podcast pitch relisted, where we just take lists and critique them. Ooh, down. Oh, I do that all the time. We don't like. All we gotta do is record it. I'm half, telling you, I'm Alex, sure. you can make so much money this way. Just yeah, pitching. Sure just I'll create a network where it's just all my ideas and other people doing them. Considering all I do is I've already done this like multiple times, just yelling at Kate about this. So he all does. I need is it's you need bad. to like record it, and I've already done it, so we're good. Never send him a list because he really just yells at me from the other room about why it's wrong. <laughs> I love this. I'm actually I love really this surprised <laughs> that you didn't pull up the list before this because I knew Matt was going to ask as soon as you read the list. He was going to ask who was number one. Well, Alex asked. But Matt was going to do it if Alex didn't ask. <laughs> this he is was. also accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's get back on topic now. Yeah. So, in addition to having all of these, like, I guess, awards and, like, notoriety and stuff, like, in pop culture, he also has several buildings and artworks in Pennsylvania um, dedicated to his memory, and the Smithsonian Institute displays one of his trademark sweaters as a treasure of American history. Um, on June 25th, 2016, the Fred Rogers Historical Marker was placed placed near Latrobe, Pennsylvania in his memory and they also um, do exhibitions of the Mr. Rogers set where they have like the front the front room and the um, the castle and it's it is really good it's really cool and they like shake that around and show it so um, I really don't have much more history other than that i mean he had a degree in uh theology music and early childhood education and he used it essentially so um just go straight to the but why those because we have a lot to cover um mr rogers neighborhood is probably the biggest but why though and the reason we're all here and the reason uh, we're here talking about him and the reason we know him so Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood began airing in 1968 and ran for 895 episodes. Is that the most ever? I don't know. I'm not, I don't think so. I don't think, I think, I think we've done this. You've brought it up on your episodes. I know, but what I do find interesting is this show ran so, for so long, but why does it not seem like he pops up on, like, longest running show? Because he took a break. It's mm. also public access television. And it's also that you do scripted time. It's scripted. Uh, they like break it down like longest running animation, longest running scripted U.S. primetime television shows. It's not him. Oh, but if you do look at that list, he has more. Technically, he has more episodes than The Simpsons. Yeah. And that's the longest running show at the moment. For now. For now, at six thirty nine. Um, anyway. I just looked it up. If you wanted to watch every episode of Mr. Rogers, it would take 18 days and 11 hours. Oof. Down. I'm so down. New podcast, just watching Mr. Rogers episodes and talking about how his lessons from back then translate to now. Perfect. A live commentary track with, like, 
Snoop, because what else is he doing these days? Having a cooking show. Oh, that's right. He does have that. But if he could do a Mr. Rogers commentary track podcast, I'd follow that. I would, too. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, the last set of new episodes was taped in December 2000 and began airing in August 2001. At its peak in 1985, 8% of U.S. households tuned into the show. And the show was really important to him and really important to how people see children, uh, like educational television, because he said that people often think that children's television is just stringing together cartoons. But to him, it was more about respecting children. And in fact, he said in multiple interviews that children are to be respected. Um, This specifically meant that um, he didn't want to talk down to them. He didn't want to assume that they didn't know what was going on. He was very aware that children like people treat children like they're sheltered from everything they don't see the bad stuff that happens and mr rogers or fred rogers he called him mr rogers but fred rogers said that that's that's not the way to do it um and so he specifically made this show with that in mind um each episode began the same way mr rogers is seen coming home singing his theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and changing into sneakers and a zipped cardigan sweater. Um, He stated in an interview for METV that all of his sweaters were knitted by his mother. Um, And he, I think it's that same interview, but he talks about he wanted to transition into the sweater as being like getting comfortable with people, letting them get comfortable with him, which is why he comes in with a jacket, puts the jacket up, puts on the sweater, and then when he leaves, he does the same process just reverse. I like it. Also, have you ever done that when you get home? Like, not like, not go like full into sweats, just like come home, put on a comfortable hoodie, take your shoes off, and just like go about your day. It is surprisingly nice. I'm also not a fan of sweaters, and I do not like, and that makes me uncomfortable when people wear sweaters like that. Cardigans? Yes. Cardigans make you uncomfortable? Especially like the regular sweaters. If it weren't Why? 90 degrees outside, I was going to wear a cardigan for this recording. Why do cardigans make you uncomfortable? Like his little fluffy sweater? Not his like cardigan, the other like sweater things. Why? I don't like them. But why do they make you uncomfortable? Do you not, do you not trust them? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think this is like a similar situation where he didn't like Killmonger's hair. Like, I don't think there's like any, like, any rhyme or reason. I just don't think he likes it. He just doesn't like it. Well, no, like he said, uncomfortable. He didn't say. What? Like, I did not. not like, I, he well, said I it not, made me uncomfortable. I, guess I, do not, I do not trust trust the sweater. And most people that seem to wear sweaters like that cannot be trusted at some point. Bill Cosby wore a ton of sweaters. <laughs> Bill Cosby sweaters are nothing like Mr. Rogers sweaters. Don't you? I know. Don't you dare compare Mr. Rogers sweaters to Bill Cosby sweaters. Don't but put that like, evil juju I said, on him. A cardigan sweater is a little is different it, than a normal this, sweater. Does this just go back to you thinking that not that nobody can be truly nice? I don't know. I just know a cardigan sweater is obviously different. But then when you say like his sweaters were knitted by his mother, I'm thinking of just these like fluffy, ugly sweaters that you get for like the people wear at like, Christmas seen parties. Have you No, that's not. <laughs> what I know. It I is. know that is not it. But I just don't trust people in sweaters. We'll go buy some cardigans. They're adorable Just little cardigans. I mean, those are a little bad, but I, I mean... kind of want someone to make me a cardigan like that because I don't know how to do it. They're adorable. I know, but when you say like sweater, like when I when you say cardigan, I think like that. But then when you start saying sweater, I think like Bill Cosby. A sweater. cardigan is a sweater. No, a sweater is totally. No, different than a cardigan is a sweater. Not every sweater is a cardigan. Accurate. Yes. This but is the same way say hoodies cardigan, are sweaters. But if you say cardigan, I'm okay. You start saying sweater. You so know. you don't trust sweaters? No. 
I'm looking at knitting patterns online. I've completely checked out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find this. I'm trying to find a cardigan that looks like this to make. Oh my god, Matt. What? I don't like sweaters. Maybe I've also lived in the heat for so long in my life. That might be but it. You didn't, but you didn't say that you didn't like them. You said they made you uncomfortable. I know, because people that wear them are not trustworthy. I don't know what to do with this episode now. I'm sorry, but I don't like sweaters. <laughs> It's, here's, here's what I'll say to bring this back. What I'm hearing from Matt makes sense in that if you've always lived in the South, you can't trust somebody wearing a sweater because it's too hot for that. <laughs> this is also very accurate. Exactly. So I get Matt's <laughs> distrust. I don't share it because I'm from the Northwest. <laughs> like Christmas parties with all ugly sweaters, like it drives me crazy. I don't like them. So uh, bringing this back around, what, what's a typical episode like, Kate? Yeah, so a typical episode in a typical episode, Rogers might have an earnest conversation with his television, interact with live guests, take a field trip to such places as a bakery or a music store, or even watch a short film. Each episode included a trip to Rogers' neighborhood of make believe, featuring a trolley with its own chiming theme song, a castle, and the kingdom citizens, including King Friday the Thirteenth, which was always my favorite. I know he's awful, but he was always my favorite. That's <laughs> that's that's no, that's terrible. It's actually awful. He should not be your favorite. <laughs> I unless, love him. Unless he's he was... your favorite because he has, like, continual growth and, like, decides not to be as shitty. But, like, he literally he put adorable. up a wall, like, episode one. Yeah. He, he said, also, build the wall. That's, that, that's also, him. He also decided to uh, take over the entire broadcasting companies and he made his own TV station and wouldn't let anybody in his kingdom watch anything but his TV. Yeah. Yeah, he's... uh he was the cutest out of all of them. No, Daniel was. Yeah, I was about to say Daniel. All right, anyway. I think Alex has, like, left the room between sweaters and now King Friday. I'm just, I'm looking at sweater patterns. No, I love King <laughs> Friday the 13th. I love that his birthday is every Friday the 13th. Uh, I think he's wonderful. He speaks to me on a spiritual level. <laughs> uh, he just he just needs somebody to, to be nice to him. That's what he needs. Yep. Is Matt King Friday the 13th? I don't know who that is. Oh, new opening question. Which puppet are you? Oh. I'm very disappointed. We need to fire you and put Alex as our opening question person. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Okay, so the subjects discussed in the neighborhood of make-believe often allowed further development of themes in Mr. Rogers' real neighborhood. Visually, the presentation of the show was very, very simple, and it did not feature animation or fast or was at a fast pace um, like other children's shows of the times, which Rogers thought of as more of a bombardment, a bombardment, and his focus is education entertainment. Rogers also believed in not acting out a different persona on camera compared to how he acted off camera, stating that one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody is the gift of being your honest self. I also believe that kids can spot a phony a mile away. Back to the sweaters. Telling you. But they trusted him in his sweater. It was a cardigan. Oh my god. Cardigans are a kind of sweater, Matt. But they're not the evil ones. Matt makes up (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, So, Roger's Roger, I can't talk. Rogers composed almost all of the music on the program. The recurring songs were all Rogers' work, 
bits of incidental music, such as improvisations from members of the orchestra or music from guests to the program, were not composed by him, but everything else was. He wanted to teach children to love themselves and others, and he addressed common childhood fears with comforting songs and skits. Typically, each episode explored a major theme, such as going to school for the first time, but he also dove into a lot like deeper things and even so much as it's songs and skits it was also having a real conversation and confronting feelings it was a show that met children where they were and didn't pretend like they lived in these perfect innocent environments he was more interested in making sure that a child could feel comfortable and understand what was happening in the world than he was in replicating that you know um i guess not replicating but coddling not i don't want to say it sheltering them essentially it's his understanding that kids know what's happening in the world they hear things and instead of in in pretending like they don't so you don't have to have the hard conversations rogers had those conversations um he explained that children deserve to be spoken to like they were understanding things and speaking to them constructively and not talking down to them he explained that the importance of tackling the drama of childhood which was as simple as a haircut to the anger that can happen in a family home were all really important. He also explained that his show was an expression to care, a uh, uh, expression. He also explained by, I don't know. I can't talk today and I don't know why. It happens. He also, <laughs> he also explained that his show was an expression of care to children, that he empowered children by encouraging their individuality and making sure that feelings are mentionable and manageable and what he saw as a huge step towards positive mental health. Um, he also wanted the show to, he also wanted to show that there was an importance to teaching children about their emotions and he really fought back against ignoring how you're feeling and understanding that you can have a multitude of emotions and he did this both with boys and girls um, and most popularly he has a song what uh, what do you do with the mad you feel and that actually came from a question he got from a child Uh, And he decided to talk about that. And in that, he talks about um, how to use your anger constructively, like playing music. He Mm -hmm. explains how he would play music when he was angry. And slowly he'd realize as he kept playing, he wasn't angry anymore. Um, And he also let you know that although certain types of expression weren't right, that having different ways of coping were and he never just presented one thing when he talked about when he talked about emotions he tried to present a multitude of, a multitude of paths for children to take understanding that they could be comfortable in different areas he also had a show where daniel the tiger asked what is assassination and this was right after what why would a tiger ask about assassination so daniel as a puppet was essentially used as a vehicle to start all of these conversations he's like a cowardly tiger and he's really anxious and scared. And so the puppet is what he used to have these conversations and the puppet would usually ask. So in the what is assassination, he's having a conversation with one of the female guests and um, they're talking and then he just asks, you know, what is assassination? I've heard people saying it. And then she explains like, essentially Daniel takes on the persona of like a child asking a question Mm -hmm. about something that they've felt, heard, but don't have the answers to. Yeah. And from what I've seen from that uh, that episode, they don't even get into the specific assassination that made him do that. They yeah. just talk about it in very broad terms, like always applicable 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and that was right after RFK, which is a national a national moment that people felt. Um, and it's he also did the same thing with 9-11. Um, he came back. He actually had stopped recording at that time, like the last batch were recorded in 2000, but released in 2001. And he put back on his cardigan and came back to do a special episode um, talking about 9-11 and how it's okay to be scared, but understanding that there's more out there, which was he essentially it happened and he felt the need to come back to essentially his children because he saw all of his audiences as his children. Um, so he talked about really heavy stuff. He also took, uh, he took trips to children's hospitals like around Pittsburgh in order to show people that hospitals aren't a place to fear. During the Gulf War in 1990-91, he assured his audience that all children in the neighborhood would be well cared for and asked parents to promise to take care of their children. The message was aired again by PBS during the media storm that preceded the 2003 invasion of Iraq, and that's specifically talking about worrying about children in those other countries during war. Uh, He also talked about adoption. He had an episode talking about death, and he also talked about divorce. And one of the things that really spurred this was he took listener listener letters and he made it his duty to read every single letter that came in from a child and to respond to it on the show. So everything that he's hearing are that that he's putting forth are at, at, uh, are answering questions that real children had. Yeah, that's also if I remember right why he announced uh, when he was feeding his fish because a blind girl wrote in asking if the fish were okay or something. And so he was like, all right, I guess I need to address that a little bit more vocally. That's adorable. Um, Yeah. And he essentially saw, like, the reason he started to do this was because after studying early childhood development and realizing how prominent television was becoming as a medium and how every house was getting one, he realized that television television itself was going to end up being the thing that raises children especially in houses especially in houses where both parents work it's a single parent household you know i watched a lot of tv growing up and a lot of it was because i had to stay inside because my parents weren't home like that he saw that and he wanted to address that um so every show also ended with you've made this day a special day by just being you there's no person in the world like you and it and I like you just the way you are. And he saw that as not only a sign off, but understanding that he wanted children to feel safe, comforted, and okay in their own skins. Um, and that's why he ended every episode that way. Um, one of the really cool things because he did he had been asked a lot about the really heavy subjects that he talked about. And what he said was, people long to be in touch with honesty. We're not going to fudge stuff. We're going to tell people the truth. And we're not going to dance around and say how happy things are when they're not. Um, Because he was all about confronting your emotions and not hiding them. He's so good. All of this is so (laughs) good. Yeah, I think um, just like some things that I just wanted to highlight, just because I'm thinking back to the Mr. Rogers documentary, which And I haven't seen it, so like insert that information. It's wonderful. it is phenomenal. Um, I, yeah, uh, it's phenomenal. But one of the things I think I stuck out the most that I didn't really know was that he had a TV show like before Mr. Rogers, and he basically stopped doing it for like a lot of the reasons why you said because it started turning into like 
kind of like a slapstick comedy thing. So he was like, his show was becoming the thing that he hated the most. Um, and the other thing is like, what do you do with the mad you feel is so, so powerful that it basically like saved um, public television. Oh yeah. It was part of his testimony, right? Yeah. It was like, he said like he did the lyrics of that song in front of the, the Senate to save public education funding or public television funding. And it worked. Like Which that's we'll not get to in the other butt way. Though. It's so good. Yeah, it, like that's not yeah. like powerful. Just from like, and that's just from his show. Like that's straight from him and this Mister Rogers TV show. Like so, even if it's generated towards kids, like the stuff that he was feeling and the things that he was trying to convey to kids was affecting you know grown men in Congress. Yeah. To, yeah. Public legislation. Yeah. To to change the way that we're doing things, which is super super. Yeah. And I mean, and kind of on that, like the thing, one of the things that I've always found most impressive and admirable about Fred Rogers is just the level of integrity. Like there's the whole thing about, I want to be who I am on camera and off camera, but watching that documentary and realizing he really is just this good. Like there was like maybe two or three things that they had as like critiques of him and none of them were particularly damning. He was yeah. genuinely that nice of a person and really did believe the things that he was saying. Yeah. The only thing that I mean, the only thing that documentary says they didn't cover is like um, LGBTQ things. Yeah, I had uh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, even that wasn't that damning to the show, just because they kind of go into like how he's like not a terrible person. Yeah, because and really, if I remember right, it was that the I forget Francois who played the is that his name who played the mailman yes. was seen at a gay nightclub and it was like the late 60s and Fred basically went to him and was like you can't go back there we will lose liter- like we will lose every sponsorship and funding that we have um, yeah. because they won't support an openly gay man and granted he also wasn't super cool about it but he came around eventually and they kind of touch on that too um, yeah and that goes into our next topic which yeah. is breaking boundaries so essentially what he did was he was confronting racism head on by bringing on Francois Clemens, a black man, um, a police officer, which for children's education, there wasn't a lot of representation there. And he actually had a recurring role as Officer Clemens in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and specifically in a uh, 1969 episode, uh, Rogers invited Clemens to sit with him and put his feet in a small pool of water. And this was really important because at the time... um, Black communities were being barred from entering swimming pools, um, and you still have a lot of um, segregation being weeded out. And they also reenacted the scene in 1993. And Clemens talked about how he invited me to come over and and rest my feet in the water with him. The icon Fred Rogers not only was showing my brown skin in the tub with his white skin as two friends, but as I was getting out of the tub, he helped me dry my feet. Um, and that was something that was specifically, it was really powerful because at that time in the sixties, that type of interaction was not shown. And the fact that Fred was helping him dry himself as he came out showed that Fred saw, saw him as an equal, which is like really powerful at the time. Um, and essentially like Clemens also said like they didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools and by my being on the program it was a statement for fred um now like y'all just mentioned he was extremely revolutionary and he wasn't extremely revolutionary 
in the fact that Clemens was gay and he knew it and he asked him to keep it quiet. And when they spoke to his wife um, in an interview, I think it was for Good Morning America, um, she said that it was because of there was a part of him who was terrified of losing the parents that controlled the televisions and he didn't want them to turn off the TV and the kids lose the support that he was giving them. And he essentially saw it as like taking his kids. But the, the interviewer pressed her like he kind of because uh, because uh, Rogers was a Christian, the interviewer kind of like put, well, was this, you know, was this a religious thing? Would he still be the same way today? And she said, no, I don't think he would be the same way um, because now we're in a different time. And, you know, so yeah. that's that was that's all. That's the only negative thing I had from everything I looked up. Yeah. yeah, and the way the way that the the documentary portrays it, because they kind of like have a moment with because um, Francis Cle- or Francois Clemens is in like the documentary, yeah. and he's reflecting back on it himself, and he never felt like it was a um, Fred didn't like him because he was a gay man. He yeah, he was just really worried about kind of protecting what what yeah what what he had. But in the end, he Franc- uh, Francois knew that Fred you know cared cared about him like like a son basically. So even, you know, Francois didn't have, like, any ill will towards, like, this situation in particular that you just talked about. Yeah, and they, the interview, there was another interview that I saw with Francois, and he was, he was actually crying when he was talking about being invited on the show and being shown in that light, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it was, it was, it was revolutionary at the time. Yeah, yeah, and in the documentary, he actually talks about how he also was a little bit reluctant to specifically play a cop. Yeah, because he, <laughs> he did not want to, be, yeah. Yeah, he I was like, oh, uh, what? Was like, I did not want to be a cop. Yeah. Um, he, was a, he was another one of those things where, because he's like, he's super young like when he starts it, and then like he gets to be kind of uh, older um, in the end. And I remember like tripping out on that like as a kid, like, is this, is this the same cop? Is this his son? Right when they, in the documentary, they show the clip of uh, when he came back in the 90s to redo the, the foot washing thing. And I, I was like, that can't be the same guy. Like, that, it doesn't look like the younger version of him. It doesn't look like the older version of him. Like, yeah. Um, and beyond this, too, like, if you can't tell by now, he actually did things. He was an advocate, and he took his advocacy seriously, and I think it's really important, especially given, like, the climate that we're in now and how easy it is to speak up about things, but very few people actually do things. Um, in his advocacy, Fred always backed it up. Um, specifically, um to what you guys were talking about him testifying before Congress in 19 in 1969 Rogers appeared before the United States Senate Subcommittee on Communications and his goal was to support funding for PBS and the Corporation of Public Broadcasting in response to proposed budget cuts in about six minutes of testimony and you can find I'll include it in the show notes and it's all online they have that entire testimony I watched it before um while I was making the notes, Rogers spoke of the need for social and emotional education that public te- television provided. He argued <clears throat> that alternative television programming, like his neighborhood, helped encourage children to become happy and productive citizens, sometimes opposing less positive messages in the media and in popular culture. He recited the lyrics to one of his songs, which is what Adrian ma- mentioned, um, the What to Do with the Mad You Feel, and one of the people when you watch the te- when you watch the testimony one of the guys on the subcommittee asked can i get a copy of your show can i watch it and he's like i don't know how you can but i'd love if you watch my episodes um and they were really moved by it um rogers 
testimony is now famous specifically for advocating that the government fund children's television. He explained the importance of his show, and they really did listen. The chairman of the subcommittee, John O. Pastor, was not familiar with Roger's work and sometimes described as impa- and was sometimes described as impatient. However, he reported that the testimony had given him goosebumps and declared, "I think it's wonderful. Looks like you just earned the twenty million dollars." The subsequent congressional appropriation for nineteen seventy one increased PBS funding from nine million to twenty two. So, like, yeah, he did it. <laughs> I think this also states, once again, why we have problems is the fact that, like, people didn't even know about a show, but what they make mean? decisions. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Which I yeah. think speaks to a more louder problem we have with a lot of these things than anything else. Yeah, that they're making decisions on stuff that they have no idea yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and then next you have the Betamax case, and this is actually a really big case. Um, specifically when it comes to copyright and stuff like that. So during the controversy surrounding the introduction of the household VCR, Rogers was involved in supporting VCR manufacturers in court. His, His 1979 testimony in the case Sony Corp Uh, Sony Corporation of America versus Universal Studios uh, noted that he did not object to home recordings of his own television programs by families in order to watch them together at a later time. His testimony contrasted with the views of others in the television industry who objected to home recording or believed that VCRs should be taxed or regulated. Um, And so this big problem was essentially them just worried that they weren't going to be making money off their shows and people wouldn't be tuning in because they could just record it and send it out to whoever they want. And it's kind of similar to what we're doing now with with streaming services because those numbers aren't really tracked when networks make decisions. Bring back Constantine. If we haven't learned anything, you should just know that unless the government's getting green, it doesn't really matter. Pretty much. Um, So when the case reached the Supreme Court in 1983, the majority decision considered the testimony of Rogers when it held that when it held that the Betamax video recorder did not infringe on copyright. The court stated that his views were a notable piece of evidence that many television producers are willing to allow private time shifting to continue and even quoted his testimony in the footnote, which was this. Some public stations as well as commercial stations program the neighborhood at hours when children cannot use it. I have always felt that with the advent of all this new technology that allows people to tape the neighborhood off the air, and I'm speaking for the neighborhood because that's what I produce, that they then become much more active in the programming of their family's television life. Very frankly, I am opposed to people being programmed by others. My whole approach in broadcasting has always been, you are an important person just the way you are. You can make healthy decisions. Maybe I'm going on too long, but I feel, but I just feel that anything that allows a person to be more active in, in control of his or her own life in a healthy way is important. Yeah, there's, there's just so much to unpack there. And I, I think it's interesting unpack that... Unpack it. I mean, okay, so the, I mean, the first thing is, like, just in terms of who he is as a person, like, starting off with recognizing that there are decisions being made that impact children that they have no say over with when it's going to be scheduled. Um, and why would we not take advantage of this technology? Like, for being someone who seems so old-fashioned, like, between this and the fact that he saw television as a tool to be leveraged, like, he's pretty forward-thinking. Yeah. Um, and then even, um, you know, talking about, like, if this is going to enable not just kids to watch my show 
but for families to come together. Like he was like giving a lot of his priorities. I think it's really interesting that he caught himself and said, I'm only talking about my show because that's what I produce. Yeah. Um, and not assuming to speak for others. And then even at the end, like that took you what, 30 seconds to read. And he said, maybe I'm going on too long. <laughs> like just so much so, like so considerate and so kind and thinking about other people and how things impact other people that are and are not in their control. Um, and yeah, like that's, it's just a damn good argument for why you should be allowed to record at home. Which, the fact that they made up the term time-shifting for it is... Yeah. It's, it's great and a little bit extra, like... I mean, it's the U.S. government. They're extra on things, they... That's true. But yeah, time-shifting? Like, I don't know. But yeah. I wonder if this, like, same thing happened with DVR and stuff. Oh, I wonder. I think DVR people were probably more comfortable with because I think it was harder to get recordings off of a TiVo without expertise than it would be to and share around. to like pop out a VCR yeah. or a VHS and give it to your neighbor. Yeah. True. Um any questions? No, I'm yeah. I'm just loving this. <laughs> nope, I'm good. Um so ultimately uh, he is no longer with us. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer in 2002 and he ended up dying later, um, a year later in 2003, um, really close after he stopped his show. His death was such a significant event in Pittsburgh that most of the front page of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette published the next day was an entire section of the paper devoted to coverage of him. The Reverend William P. Barker presided over a public memorial in Pittsburgh where more than 2,700 people attended at Heinz Hall. At the 2003 Daytime Emmy Awards, host Wayne Brady and some of the cast of Sesame Street, including Big Bird, Elmo, Gromer, Zoe, and Rosita, paid tribute to Rogers by singing a medley of some of his most popular songs. Once they finished, a small clip of Rogers accepting an Emmy was played, which led the audience to give a standing ovation, and in... Uh, on New Year's Day 2004, Michael Keaton, who was actually a stagehand on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood before becoming an actor, hosted the PBS TV special Fred Rogers, America's Favorite Neighbor. And a memorial statue was unveiled in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 2009. As of 2018, uh, in January, they announced a to that Tom Hanks would portray Mr. Rogers in an upcoming biographical film titled... You Are My Friend, directed by uh, Marielle Heller. And recently, the documentary that you all mentioned, Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh, came out in theaters. And there is actually a like a spin-off type show that is currently being made for kids called uh, Daniel Tiger. And yeah. it, it, it's the son of, the, of Daniel, the, the Daniel Striped Tiger that Fred used as his puppet, and it covers a lot of the exact same things. Yeah, so, like, the, Fred's the, Rogers message is still going out. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I just know that the Draft House played a clip of it before, um, the, before the documentary. And you can definitely feel, like, the Mr. Rogers, you know, message in that, in, like, the animation. Um, so it's super, super cool that you that they use Daniel the Tiger. It's just really great. Super great. Glad they did it. Um, and then my favorite quote... I just wanted to share it because I was looking through stuff and I've read so many of his quotes that people have. And it's that love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an action noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. He just has like a whole bunch of little like words of wisdom and it's mm -hmm. so good. What's your um, favorite quote? 
um, Alex? My favorite Mr. Rogers quote? Yeah. That is a really good question. Um, let me consult this mug that I have that has a lot of quotes from him on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can see your face now. Oh, yeah. And maybe the mug? I can't... I don't know. I, like, I really honestly like... That I like you just the way you are. Like, that is such a good one for me. And, like, so, like, it sums up so many things. Um, and, that, yeah, like, it really just, like, all of the, the positivity and the encouragement. Like, I don't know that it's, like, any one quote really boils it down better than that. That's awesome. Yeah. Adrian? Um, I think, like, the one that, like, stands out the most to me... Um, is like I remember like watching this one as a kid like where he's like drawing like the house um, and he's like I'm not very good at it but like that's all right like you know it feel like it just feels good to do things and you don't have to be like the best at them and as like someone uh, who thought I had to be the best at like everything because you know like family yeah. stuff you know how that is Kate uh, like it was like very powerful to, to hear like as a kid like. Like Mr. Rogers is amazing, and he's drawing this terrible house, but he's just <laughs> having fun doing it, and like that's more important than making it perfect. It's also a meme now. Mm. <laughs> just I like, share it every year. Uh, I was like, "How's life going?" Like, I'm not very good at it, but it doesn't matter. I just can you imagine Mr. Rogers like following along with a Bob Ross video? Oh, that would be adorable. Him and Bob Ross like in the same room, just like hanging paint. out and yeah, just like oh, learning man. how to paint. Like, I I might die if I see that. That's too much positive energy in one room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt, I'm not going to ask you what your favorite quote is because I don't, you don't, I don't think you. I don't have a favorite one. quote. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like we all we have. Oh, I thought you were going to like ask me another question, but apparently not. Never mind. What's well, your favorite color sweater that he wore? None. The draft house also did like a uh, like a like a synchronization thing of like how like all the color sweaters that he wore from like episode one to episode 800 and like 90 whatever oh, wow. and it was just really cool to that's watch crazy. the transformation of like, I, how well his mom got him making sweaters i've made it to this episode and i've remained positive and so i feel like i've done a lot for this episode yeah i was gonna ask you to share your final thoughts first because i didn't know what other question to ask you i'm slowly dying inside and it hurts have you all seen the American Dad episode where Roger's nice all the time and he starts dying? Yeah. Yes. That's Matt. That's Matt. Yeah. He's just a statistical anomaly as a person. Which yeah, is, he I is. Mean, Definitely is. That's fine, but statistical anomalies are just that. They're just anomalies. You're a statistical anomaly being left-handed. He's got a point. Not, no. Uh... Yes, but no. I feel like there have to be more nice people than left-handed people. <laughs> I don't buy that. Just statistically that speaking, I hope that we break that. That we break that. There's more nice people than left-handed people. I would hope so. I don't buy that though. You just, but you also just don't believe that people can be entirely nice. But all I know is this dude's entire life has been dissected, and there is yeah. literally nothing wrong that he's ever done. The, the know, things that the I documentary never, I, finds are there's the thing with Francois, and that when he got older, he got a little curmudgeonly about like I have the right way of making a kids show, and if those are like the two pieces of dirt that you can find, that's pretty good. I, I know that's really good. If we go back and like look at you know back to like that list. 
like how many of those people like has stuff come out with that they're we found out that they are actually terrible people and they were just faking being nice you know what the interesting thing with those pictures? A lot of those people were wearing sweaters at the time, too. Oh, my God, Matt. <laughs> but, because they were bigger than But, yes, I know that's a thing. And I guess it's one of those, I don't, I have not once said he was a bad person. I mean, he is good. And, like I said, we've stayed positive, And those two gripes are very bad. Because, obviously, if you've done it the best, and I can see you being curmudgeon. And, two, like, obviously, it's a totally different time frame. It's so hard to, like, even cool hearing about it. I didn't watch the show. I probably will never watch the show. I watched The Family Guy and some of the other spinoffs where they actually haven't been a secret bad guy, which was kind of entertaining. Oh, that was a great thing they put in the, the documentary, too, of, like, him reacting to, like, this like the spinoffs. <laughs> like, especially, like, the ones that were just, like, mean about it. And he just... It seems like he just took them, like, on the chin and just kept going with it. He, what, didn't seem, he didn't seem angry about any of that stuff. Even his wife was just like, I think they got to him, but he just kind of, like... <laughs> just yeah. rolled with it and it went like, back to doing him what did she say like the only ones that ever really bothered him were the ones that attacked the philosophy oh yeah but like but yeah. it was like anything that was just like kind of like poking fun at like the structure or at him it was like oh whatever like as long as you don't have a problem with the message I could see that I mean sure this message is great <laughs> you, you just look like you're dying inside when, all this. when I mail you that those scissors it's going to be wrapped in a cardigan <laughs> you're, you're, saw, go, you're so going to have to like... confront what scares you to get what you need I mean I just don't think that like it's that hard to live up to kind of like his message because his message isn't like be a nice person all the time or like be like me like I'm like yeah. the person to be so like the difference between this and just kind of like back like harken back to like our Captain America episode like where he's kind of like the symbol of virtue and things like that, and we want to be like Captain America. I would just want to be like Mr. Rogers wants me to be. Yeah. Uh, like, am I being the person that Mr. Rogers thinks I yeah. should be? Like, saying hi to people and like doing nice things. And it's also too, when I like, can. And it's not even about doing nice things when you can. Like his whole message was like understanding that you're gonna fall. And you're going to yeah. have really crappy emotions, and you're going to be sad sometimes, and you're going to want to punch people sometimes, and that's okay. Yeah. Let's, you just have to deal with them. And, like, that is really strong because, like, it, like, he talked about mental health in his subcommittee interview, or in his subcommittee testimony. And at that time, like, mental health isn't even really a thing. They were still dunking people in bathtubs and shocking the crap out of them and locking them up in like institutions yeah and he was talking about making sure that you maintain kids mental health by teaching them how to cope with these emotions so like it's, it's really weird too which i guess like my thing is like i don't even see fred rogers messages be nice to people or like when i say be nice to people i just mean like just it's kind of like, kind of like, like the rules of fandom like just don't be a dick just, just don't be a dick. It's like it's not like that entirely hard. Like, and if people were less of dicks to each other, at least like half the time, like how much nicer would like the world be? See, and, mm-hmm. and it's okay. To, and it's okay if you're a dick sometimes, but just know like how that affects people. And then you know, and that's don't my be thing a dick about all the, the time. Mess- like, but that's like what's hurting me at this point because like you're like, oh, when I draw that house and it looks like garbage, but I feel great about it, and I look at it and I'm like. This looks awful. Why would you ever feel great about this? Because you tried and, like, and you had a good time fun. doing it. And you're like, I have a good time doing it. And I'm like, that's cool, but it looks awful. Do you, you ever play games that you suck at? No, he doesn't. Oh. 
Well, there's been very few <laughs> ones that I've suck at. <laughs> Humble, Matt. I've always said that about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a perfectionist. There's a reason we don't play PUBG, and he hated playing PUBG because he wasn't good at it. I didn't mind playing it. I played it with you guys. I don't personally like. I get bored because a lot of times we run around and do nothing for like a lots amounts of time. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think you're. I think you're like positionality is fine like you're a perfectionist so like for you like like i don't think you could draw the best house ever like you're not going to be artists and people are going to pay you like everybody thinks they're going to do these days like oh i can draw a house like pay me but you should do better than something that looks like a trash can i took it like because like adrian said like literally my entire life is was about perfection growing up mm -hmm. like you got to be the best of everything that's why I had to maintain a fucking top 10% like GPA while I was working two jobs in high school. Like that was expected of me. But like if one person had said like it's okay to not do something perfect one time. Like that is I really I guess the point impactful. I'm looking at is Yeah. I, it's okay if you don't make the 99, but do not be happy cuz you made the 68. And I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's oh. saying I think he's saying that, like, it's okay to do something because you enjoy it. And he's also saying it's okay to fail sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's yeah, not that's, the end that was of the world thing. if you fail. And that was another thing that they covered in the documentary, too, of, like, the backlash of, like, people thinking that he was just promoting this, like, perfect, and for, like, lack of better, better terms, like, snowflake culture thing. And that's never what I got out of watching it myself. Because I look like and I don't know anyone who did either who like actually yeah. watched the oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I didn't say I watched the show, but to me, it's one of those like I'm not saying it's not okay to fail. You should know you're going to fail, but you should not accept failing. Well, I I don't think that's what he's saying. I think literally telling a child. I mean that is fine in preschool that it's okay to not be like if you fail, it's not the end of the world. Because like I used to give myself ulcers when I got bad grades on tests as a kid. Because it up. was expected to be perfect. Like, I've told you before, like, my mom, I got a 95. My mom said, you can do better. If you were retarded, I would expect nothing out of you. But you're not, so go get 100. Five more points. Not that hard. Like, hearing those messages as a kid, like, but being able I to guess draw on the shitty flip side house of is kind of The okay. flip side of coin, do you think you would be where you are today without those? No. You think you'd be close to where you're at? No. Would you think you'd be driven as much as you are to do a lot of stuff that we do? No, but I still do you wish think I would. You would have less ulcers? <laughs> oh, but, and also to throw a wrench in this show. I would have less ulcers. But on top of that, the only reason I am where I am today is because I quit my PhD program. Yeah. Old me would not have done that. And also to put a wrench in this, my parents never told me that I had to get perfect grades or that I had to 100% things. They just wanted me to put in effort. That was literally all that was asked of me. And then I turned out how I did. Yeah, like, I don't think, like, you can tie it all to that, because honestly, like... I'm not like, tying all of it to that. You're just assuming I'm tying all of it to well, that. Well, you said, would you be here without it? But, like, in this... If if I had only stuck to that message, I would be miserable in my PhD program right now. That's fine. So you learned and adapted. But yeah, I'm talking I learned, about in general. I learned that it was okay to fail sometimes and just walk away from things. Right. Which is all Mr. Rogers was trying to teach the little children, Matt. I mean, okay. Like, I didn't say he wasn't at this point. I'm confused. I just I know if you, you draw were. a shitty house, I'm going to tell you you draw a shitty house. <laughs> you didn't need you to tell him you draw <laughs> Again, a shitty house. Again, parenting advice with Matt, new house. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think it'd be a problem if he thought he drew an amazing house and didn't accept yeah. that it was a shitty house. Like, that's yeah. a bigger problem to me. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. probably, that's probably, yeah. very that's probably like, it's, because I think that's what you're pointing out. Because like, he, what he said did... is like, I drew this house, I loved it. I love doing it, and I'm like, but it's terrible. Yeah, he loved doing it. He knows that the house is bad, and I hope that he would try harder next time, which I'm sure he would, because he's Mr. <laughs> Rogers. He would just call up Bob Ross, and they would just hang out and draw paintings and draw houses. And Yo-Yo Ma would sit in the corner and play music for them. <laughs> yes! Yes! Which, man, there was oh. a lot of Yo-Yo Ma in that documentary. I was not expecting that. I mean, I get it, and I stayed positive, and y'all just had to go ask me. And I like Alex, and I like Alex to have fun on our episodes. I'm glad. I don't know if he has more fun laughing at us or being here talking, but No, still. I genuinely enjoy the conversation. <laughs> and I like I all wanted... of you as people. <laughs> I don't know, like I said, I know why this inspired many people, and I get it all, and that's cool yeah. and stuff and whatnot, but I obviously, like I said, I never watched the show. I never yeah. cared to watch the show. Nobody ever told me to watch the show. And if it's and not for you, that's all right. Hmm? And so that's not, and that's why you're not empathetic. It's also didn't with, get that early childhood but, I mean, education. Not depending on whether you keep it or not. Like I've argued this before of like coming from a standpoints, like emotion and feelings are the weakest point of being a human. They're the best part. Well, that's also the weakest. That's what makes us human. It makes us human, but it's also the, like the number one weakness. And that's fine. And that's why weakness from an evolutionary Rogers, standpoint. Actually, yes. But like from probably. a survival evolutionary standpoint, because we don't have to do as much to survive anymore. Like it's okay to let your guard down. I think that Fred Rogers realized that when people don't process their emotions correctly, it is one of our greatest weaknesses. Which is why his main message was teaching children how to handle these things early. That's on the smile. No, no, no. When we can talk about <laughs> our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. Which I think yes. is good because obviously we know we have a problem with a lot of parents sheltering kids in general, which is why yeah. the whole thing was great. I'm trying. <laughs> it's okay. I love you just. Wait. Yeah, I like you just the way you are. Hold on. Where is the line? You've made this day a special day by you being just you. There's no person in the world like you, and I like you just the way you are, Matt. I think it's also hard for me to grasp that every day is actually special. Why not? Today's never going to happen again. Yeah, but what did we do today that was so special? I don't know, but it's God. it's it's one in what <laughs> trillions, quadrillions. I learned that you are uncomfortable by sweaters. That's true. That's gonna stick with her. <laughs> I'm telling you, look up all the people with sweaters and stuff. Even Freddy Krueger was in a sweater. <laughs> it's not the same sweater though. That's not a cardigan, was it? No, he's not in a cardigan. No. Anyway, we have but why those? And there's a lot of them. Okay, Adrian, final thoughts. Um, final thoughts, I think just from watching the documentary and then just kind of having everything kind of reaffirmed through your eloquent, eloquent and always amazing notes, I think the aspect of Mr. Rogers' like effect on me like as like my, through my development is super prominent. It's super hard to be like Mr. Rogers. I remember watching the documentary. I was like, I'm going to be nicer to people. And then I got back on Twitter and it's really hard <laughs> but i'm trying my best to be the person were you just mission. fighting with somebody yesterday or like hey, the day man. before hey if you take a swing at the king you better not miss <laughs> oh uh, god but i'm just trying to be more of the person that mr rogers would like me to be as i enter a classroom with kids um but i think past that just 
learning from the documentary and then learning about the VCR piece that I didn't know about, like he used his power for like good. Like he was like like all not all heroes wear capes. All some heroes wear sweater vests and go to Supreme Court and like argue legislation where for real change to happen, which I think is super uh, super great because I don't know how many yeah. of the other stars on that list went to go talk, give talk to Supreme Court to advocate for the importance of what they do every day. Into it. One, why is Kate's note so lovely and better? I was just trying to be nice. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to be nice, man. I'm just trying. He's trying to live the way Mr. Rogers wanted him to. Yeah. Which he just said. I know it's not If you're if you're wondering, you can uh, become a patron and see Matt's lovely notes from our Mission Impossible episode, which were also very lovely. I have a lot of notes. I don't it was a good episode. Yeah, Thank you. Recently. Was it good or was it good because they just laughed the whole time at me while I tried to talk? <laughs> I legitimately felt like I learned a lot about that series that I did not know. I will also say that there were points where I was laughing with them. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's so bad. <laughs> also, at the, the point in the episode where it goes quiet for a minute and then Adrian just starts laughing and says, I'm sorry, it's just a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up Tom Cruise, you short bastard. <laughs> that was also perfect. <laughs> and that's quality content coming from Matt's episodes. Uh, always. And I appreciate you always, just the way you are, Matt. I feel like it's a lie in some way. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, since I kind of like gave my whole story or whatever, I just wish that I had probably watched Mr. Rogers more as a kid. Yeah, uh, same. Because I didn't start watching him until I was a little bit older and stuff. Because um, we were... I don't remember why. I don't remember why, actually. I'm just saying I personally wish that I internalized a lot more of his messages than I did. Um, yeah. Because it would have helped me a lot. Because it's okay to not be very good at something if you just want to have fun doing it. Truth. I do things I'm not very good at, too. You just said who does things that they're not very good at for fun. No. I said what was the point of doing that? Well, the... Oh my God. The fun of it. I interact with you all. <laughs> Yeah, and we appreciate you because we know you're doing your best. I know. Even if you're not, even if you're not very good at it. <laughs> being nice, that's you know okay. you're trying, and that's all that matters. I know you're dying inside a little bit right now. A little bit. <laughs> should we? Should we just do my vote? Why the one put the nail in that yes. coffin? Yes, please. <laughs> I'm really gonna do the fan ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's here's the little bit that I wrote, and then was like, I'm just gonna cut myself off way sooner than the Captain America one. Um, <laughs> The Captain America one was really powerful, though. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Mr. Rogers matters because everyone needs a neighbor to be treated with kindness, cared for, supported, and loved. Fred was everyone's neighbor, and he taught a lot of us how to be a neighbor. The world seems to have taken a dark turn as of late, but people like Mr. Rogers remind us that we have a choice, that we can turn the other way, and that we can be a neighbor instead of a stranger and bring light to the world around us. Aww. And that's it. That was... And that was going to be my last question. Do we need him now? Oh, here's kind of here's here's the thing, though. We don't. Be, we need his influence. We don't need him. There's a thing in the yeah. documentary where they're talking to the guy who runs the Fred Rogers Center, and he says that, you know, people talk about, like, well, what would Mr. Rogers do? And he said the question isn't what Mr. Rogers would do. It's what will you do? 
Oh, so, so Aww. good in the thing. And it's just like, so yeah, good. like we, because honestly, I think that we're at this point culturally where we're more comfortable with Fred Rogers as a myth than as a man. Because if he was a man, we suddenly have a lot less of an excuse to be the way that we are. Because suddenly who he was is achievable and it's mortal. That's why I love you guys. But that's also why you need me like an H. What? I'm like H for all of you guys. What does that mean? If you watch our, our movie, his name was H. That was his name? Samuel Jackson was H. Yes, he was. Oh, God. No, Matt. <laughs> anyway, here are the fan but why those. Uh, the first one is, these are all from Twitter, um, as usual. Um, this is from One day at- we might actually try to embrace other people on different platforms. This is just easier. It's all on my phone. Yeah. Well, Facebook's all on your phone. We used to have a lot of those. Anyway, you can do that. Um, I hate Facebook. So from our, uh, from at Lizzie Lynn Garcia, she is actually our assistant editor for our website. So a lovely blogger and a new lovely patron. Oh, yeah. And we said thanks to her earlier. I'm saying thank to her again. I'm trying to be Mr. Rogers. Get with it. <laughs> I watched him a lot as a child, but even now his voice is incredibly soothing. Although learning how he said public access TV is heroic. And then this is from at I Snow Nothing. He was a personal hero. I'll never stop trying to live up to the potential he saw in all of us. I became a nanny and educator in large part because of the example and ideals that Fred McFeely Rogers represented to so many. I felt a calling to work with kids, and my time watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood feels inextricably tied to that. It's from at Mad Cat Munchkin. I grew up watching him. By the time I came along, there were only about 10 years or so left of the show. But he was a fixture of my childhood. He cared deeply about education and helping children to do to better understand the world in which they lived in. He was a shining light in this world, a kind and generous man, a wonderful soul. It is a great pity that he is gone when the world needs him more than ever. And from my mother, and this is his but why from his mother, who did grow up watching him almost from the jump, there was something about him that was so unusual. The way he behaved was so different. Nothing a child could articulate. But in retrospect, you realize that there was something so compelling about him for children who felt like they were missing kindness and understanding and patience. The That he really taught so many of us how to be a good person. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. And powerful. This is from at Emphis underscore Nest. He was always a friendly face on my TV screen when I was a kid. And this is from at Ursat's Ash. Another one of our lovely bloggers. <laughs> I lost my mom when I was pretty young, and I didn't know how to process all the things I was feeling. And Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood had, had no small part in helping me understand my emotions and make me feel like it was okay to feel them. And I will always be grateful for that. From at Kathy E. Kohler. Mr. Rogers is a standard by which I judge and... Mr. Rogers is a standard by which I judge my my conduct towards others. Each person I encounter deserves nothing less. From at Miss Carr 2015, he was like an emotional, warm, fluffy blanket. I don't remember specific plot points from episodes, but I remember how I felt. Mr. Rogers always made me feel happy, no matter else was, no matter what else was going on in the world. From at BT Murphy 88. Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. I've been Presbyterian my whole life. He showed me that my religion doesn't have to be what the loudest among us purport it as, but it should, uh, but that it should be inclusive, caring, and warm. I was in the library of Presbyterian Church, and they had a signed copy of his book. I bawled when I realized that he had held the book that was in my hands. From at CJ Pendragon. 
As a child, he was a major influence on my developing moral compass. The modern spinoff has helped my kids a lot in learning how to deal with common life situations and aided my disabled son in using words and accepting anger and other complex emotions. At Bearing Moon, I can't even I can't even respond to this. I just feel like sobbing. He was one of a kind, such a gentle spirit, but you could sense his anger when he witnessed injustice, and he always made it a point to do something about it in his gentle yet direct way. I miss that man. At Cheryl Gustafson, he trusted kids to engage with their feelings when sad, happy, confused, scared, or angry. He held our hand, so to speak, so he talked as he talked with us, helping us figuring out figure out how to work through our feelings. From at Michael Alex Penn, to me, seeing a man with a kind and soft attitude was highly important. On top of that, the emphasis given to using one's imagination is something that isn't all that often shown in a positive light. From at Known Good Geek, was fascinated by puppets and lessons taught to me as a kid, not down to me like in school. So used to the weird being bigger even than adult Sesame Street, i.e. Big Bird, that was nice to have characters who were smaller, more intimate in plot and lessons, was a huge part of my childhood. From at Gatsu083, another one of our patrons, thank you so much, Charles. He thought accepted he taught acceptance. He taught strength and courage. He taught that the greatest achievement is to be good and be who you are. He taught that the pursuit of a goal was more desirable than the goal itself sometimes. And he taught me how crayons are made. And you know what? He wasn't very good with those crayons. <laughs> and that's okay. You know what? I do not actually like crayons. I mean, as a left-handed person, I totally get it. There's a lot into this. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Nat, from at Nico the Aurora, one of our patrons and one of our lovely bloggers. He addressed a lot of life's darkest topics and fears that came with them to younger children. He helped them understand his entire work is something spectacular. He had a way of explaining things in such a simple yet unique manner. I promise we're almost done. From at Angel, Angel T18, he taught that it was okay to be you no matter who you were. That you could be loved and that you were deserving of that love and no one could refute that. I'll always be grateful to him for that. And finally, from at CJ Right Things, one of our lovely bloggers, he taught me that in a world that will kick you down, the best thing to do is to stand up and be kind. And I think I'm going to end the show with, um, instead of going with outro music, sorry, Alex. No, that's totally um, fine. Uh, with the look for the helpers. Yes. Piece that he had, um, which his mom told him that when disasters happen, don't think about the disaster look at the all the people that are helping uh the only thing i wanted to say like before we go out um i don't know if y'all remember like when the internet like first got big all this stuff came out about mr rogers about like him being like a naval sniper and like being in like Vietnam. oh and having tattoos um, and that's why he wore yeah, cardigans he tattoos yeah. and like that he was gay and all that stuff. like that's like literally that's none of that's it. true none of it's true the internet is a terrible place don't think any of that please yeah just wanted to make sure we get that in there yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. Oh, shit, and I actually found people have more Mr. Rogers things. There are more Mr. Rogers things. And, okay, this is actually another thing about it that's really cool. So I went to see the movie this last Tuesday when we recorded this, and the movie's been out for a few weeks now, yeah? Uh, yeah. Still yeah. a packed theater full of people awesome. from all different wow. backgrounds and ages who wanted to see this film because, like, we still yeah. yearn for that level of kindness in the world. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, watching like Coco, like, people were emotional in Coco, but like this was like people because there's a piece in it like where they ask you to like think about someone who like. Oh yeah, spend one like minute. That. Yeah, people like looked at the people that they were with. It was it's such it's so it's just so powerful. Like you can just like feel. Yeah, it, it's just great. You can go, go watch it. Kate. It's it's great. Yeah. And I'll put Talk- all of these in there, but I do want to get some of these longer ones. Yeah. Because uh, they're really good. Um, so at Marky Sutter, I watched him well into middle school, and occasionally would watch him when I caught the show channel surfing into adulthood. Into adulthood, he had a way of making everyone feel special and important. That's a real man. Uh, then there's also from at C three uh, CTA Philly eight, the most pure celebrity to exist. Saw the goodness in everything, and that was evident in the show was also one of the two shows I was allowed to watch as a child, Sesame Street being the other. So he was my introduction to television programming. And then from uh, at Check the Circuit, he was an emotional and moral guide when I was growing up. He talked about feelings in a way that I could understand. He knew exactly what I was going through and make all and make it all comprehensible. He wanted me to know how to be a good person. He was my hero. Yeah. Um, Emma uh, from at M. Nara says... I met him twice on separate occasions as a kid and once as a teenager, and I just remember how he was the same, the exact same person as he was on TV. I think that's it. Really and good. if you're listening to this right now, and I left it out, it's because I opened up Twitter while we were talking, and I had 32 new notifications, and there were just a lot of love for Mr. Rogers. And rightly so. Yeah, it's just... Is this the most we've had? Like, I think time? it is the most we've had in a while. Oh, in a while, yes. If not the most. Because I'm not even looking at our podcast Twitter. That was just from mine. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, y'all motherfuckers better listen to this episode. Um, <laughs> that somehow was going to slip into it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, it's also funny reading those names and listening to all that stuff. And I'm like, I follow your Twitter. You should be ashamed saying this. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Alex, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MostAlwaysAlex. And then I host a couple of podcasts, uh, What We Talk About When We Talk About, which is a pop culture podcast, much like But Why Though, and Game Boys, which is a co-op gaming podcast, and Friday.com, where if you like horror movies, we review and bring some news, and it's a good time. Awesome. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to us. And make sure you follow us and interact with us on Twitter. We're very active on there at ButWhyThoughPC. And you can find me at OhMyMythRandier on Twitter. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-Y-Z 93. Matt? I don't really got anything. Can we find Oh, yeah, Matt's trying to scrub himself off the internet. <laughs> I got it. You can find me not drawing a house. <laughs> or wait, I am drawing a house. Is that better? Yes. Try to draw a house. I actually used to be able to draw pretty good houses. You should tweet out pictures of houses that you've drawn. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have any more. I'm not very good at art. You can make some new ones. And that's okay, Matt. But I don't see the point in doing that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Sorry I took away your choice of music, but I just really want to. No, no, that is a beautiful choice. I'm into it. It's so good. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. You know, my mother used to say a long time ago, whenever there would be any really catastrophe that was 
on the, in the movies or, or on the air, she would say, always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. That's why I think that if news programs could make a conscious effort of showing rescue teams, of, of showing who, uh, medical people, anybody who is coming into a place where there's a tragedy, to be, to be sure that they include that. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope.